Доброго вечора, ми з України. Hello, we are from Ukraine. We are Ukraine FM team, Radio National Resistance. We bring you interview subjects from all walks of life in wartime in Ukraine. Thanks to all our listeners around the world. Here is our collaborator and your host, Anne Levin. You are listening Ukraine 242. Welcome to Ukraine 242. It is now over five months since Russia invaded Ukraine. On the 24th of February, the life of every Ukrainian was permanently scarred. For all of us, it was the onset of a life in a changed world. I'm Anne Levine, reporting for Pacifica Network from WOMR and Kraina FM. Russia bombed and destroyed the Olenivka prison, where the last surviving soldiers from the Azov Battalion in Mariupol were taken less than one week ago. Today, we hear Volodymyr Anfimov, radio, television, and print journalist in Ukraine, describe in detail the atrocities that took place there. We also discuss the current state of mental health in Ukraine and the stories of parties and raves taking place in Kiev. Volodymyr, it's been about 24 hours since the bombing of Olenivka prison. Can you tell me a little bit of Olenivka prison? All the people that were killed by, uh, I'm sure, by Russians, more than 50 Ukrainian prisoners of war, they were moved to the very place uh, where they were killed just several days before this explosion and before the killing. So this is one of the examples and one of the reasons uh, all of us here are sure that it was a planned terror attack, uh, that it was planned by Russians. Also, we have our security forces uh, have intercepted calls of Russians where they are talking between themselves that everything was planned and that it was not a rocket attack, but there was explosion and explosive elements were brought there one day before everything happened. So it's just, you know, it's a huge terror attack and it's just absolutely a violation of agreements with the UN because as uh, maybe you know that Ukraine demands from the UN and the Red Cross International Committee to produce reaction to the death of Ukrainian soldiers because these organizations are the ones that guaranteed the life and health of Ukrainian prisoners of war. Uh, And uh, today in Kyiv, we had a rally with the relatives of Azovstyle defenders and they, they gathered uh, to, to make a call to the world and their message is clear that Russia should be recognized as a state sponsor of terrorism after the series of numerous terrorist attacks and the, the, the latest is this explosion in uh, Alenivka prison. We're hearing now about atrocities perpetrated on the Ukrainian prisoners of war that were kept there, and prior to that in the steel plant. Can you describe some of what we're finding out was done to these prisoners of war? 
you know, they are awful, these this videos, because, well, the, the first video that I saw was the, uh, the one that Russian propagandist channels released in uh, Telegram and social media. Uh, and it was the very next hour after the explosion and everything that was left there in this prison. And we could see, you know, badly damaged bodies and smoke is everywhere and my first reaction was that the last minutes of these people it was just like hell you know they were burnt alive and it's awful and several hours after this another video came where uh, uh russian soldiers they like brutally violated one of the ukrainian soldiers they just castrated the Ukrainian soldier by the knife and the, everything could, could, could be seen. You know, it's, it's when I, while I'm talking to you, it seems like I'm talking about some horror movie, but actually it's the reality that here in Ukraine and again and again after, after such videos, we urge the world, we ask the world to, that Russia must be recognized as a state sponsor of terrorism because uh, all, all they are doing, it's a terror. And yeah, another cynical thing is that the very day this explosion and this killing happened, Russian embassy in the UK tweeted that they all should be killed uh, and they it should be humiliating death for them and not even by shooting but by hanging and can you imagine it's uh, the official twitter account of russian federation of uh, russian embassy in uh, in the uk so well we are not shocked after you know after the february 24th for us it's just uh, another fact that brings us closer to the understanding that they are you know they are terrorists and the biggest terrorists on planet earth by now well speaking of that tweet that came out of the russian embassy in london which has now been deleted by the way because twitter hit it saying it was hate speech a military expert said that that tweet mm-hmm about the Russian outrages against Ukrainian war prisoners was intended to make Russian soldiers themselves fear torture and to deter them from surrendering to Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's any validity to that statement? You know, it's very difficult to speak from the logical perspective when we're talking about Russians. A lot of the people from different, absolutely different spheres of interest, they still consider that it was not logical move by Russians to start this military operation to start a war. So it's you know it's not um, a useful way to to see any logic in uh, in the way Russians are talking or doing. Because we understand that this is the war against people of Ukraine. And what they are trying to do really is to make Ukraine disappear and to make all the world feel fear. Because uh, this is what actually, you know, terrorists are doing. They are, they are trying to make everybody fear them. And we shouldn't surrender to this. We must, we must act. So 
So don't 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 look for some logical arguments in what are they saying. Russians, they are lying. This is everything you you, you have to know because this situation with prisoners of war, except UN and uh, Red Cross. Uh, of course, Russians were one of the part that guaranteed that these people the, that there will be a process of exchange. But well, uh, there is uh, now no one left to 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 make this exchange. So don't trust Russians ever. <laughs> this is all I can say. Now it's just a few days that these soldiers were in Olenivka, right? Right. What was happening to these prisoners of war in Azovstal? Are any of these videos of the tortures, of the castration, these possibly from Azovstal? Well, I think that all these videos were captured like maybe several days ago. So when all these prisoners were in the Russian-held eastern Ukraine, but right now, it's very difficult to say about the dates of the recording or about the events, because we understand that Russia can use these videos as the methods of their propaganda war. So right now, it's very difficult to say when it was recorded and really what happened there. Well, according to Ukrainian sources, Olenivska was bombed last night by the Russians to cover up their war crimes. Why are they doing this now, if that's true? Uh, Because, uh, you know, uh, now for Russians, it's very easy to say that uh, what they are doing right now, they are arguing that it was Ukraine that made this uh, explosion, uh, that it attacked this territory. And as you can understand, there is no logic in this statement because it's a terror attack. Ukraine has no reason to kill its own people. It's the style of Russia. After killing all these people and telling everyone that it was Ukraine, now they can say that, you know, we did nothing wrong with this with these people, but Ukraine killed them. Uh, and uh, uh, but after this video with the castration when it came, maybe it were different sources of this video and of people who made the decision to make this explosion. So, you know, it's, it's useless to, to find logic, as I have already told you, because all they're doing is just just terror. So please don't try to understand them, because you, you can understand better, uh, you know, uh, any animal can be understood better than the actions of Russian military, because it's just to make other people fear and to make terror. Reportedly... Half a million Ukrainians have now been abducted and taken to Russia from the southeast. Where are yeah. they? Oh, it's, you know, it's a very good question. As far as I know, some people were lucky to escape. Some of them were lucky to go to Georgia, to, to other states. But I think this is another another violent truth that will come uh, next i wouldn't be surprised if these people are in some kind of filtration 
camps in Russia. Because, you know, it's nothing new. A lot of Ukrainians during the Soviet era were taken from their homes to Siberia, to territories on the north of Russia, and were kept in prisons in special camps. And as you know, Putin is admiring Soviet Union and the way Soviet leaders were doing things. So I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of Ukrainians, especially those who were supporting, who were pro-Ukrainian, yeah, I can say, who were supporting independent Ukraine, that they were taken to some kind of filtration camps on the territory of Russia. The term filtration camps is one that is new to many of us. What does a filtration camp, what does that mean exactly? Uh, Well, um, this is, you know, like the first stage of this camp system. This is the place where people are holding, uh, where, uh, you know, Russians are keeping Ukrainians just so they are trying to identify those who can be pro-Russian, those who are pro-Ukrainian, and after identification of, for example, um, people who support Ukraine, they are going to through camps for, for prisoners. But as you can understand, it's not about justice there. No one is making some just decisions there. So if Russian soldier doesn't like Ukrainian in this filtration camp, he can do whatever he wants with this person. So a lot of people who escaped, for example, Kherson region, Donbass region, with whom I talked personally, is they told me about the process of this filtration. For example, uh, if we're talking about men, every time you have to put off all your clothes during this filtration process, so you, have, you stand absolutely naked, because they are looking for special tattoos on your body. And one guy with whom I spoke who uh, was happy to escape from Mariupol, he told me that for almost 30 times he was he was humiliated. He was not asked but forced to bring off his clothes, to stay naked, to prove that you are not uh, Nazi, as they say. So it's 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 awful. It's uh, all this atmosphere. It's something about you know thirties of, of the last century of, of Gulag and of Stalin. So it's almost impossible that everything is happening when when it's you know twenty first century. But it's true. It's true, and you know you have to call a spade a spade, and we we should call Russia a sponsor of terrorism because this is what they are doing. It's so difficult to conceive of one country absorbing half a million people from another country. Do you know or do you think that these camps were already in place? Are they being taken to camps left over from the Soviet era? Or were they building camps in anticipation you know, it can be both. It can be both because uh, every day Russia is becoming, uh, you know, 
prison state because they are not only taking Ukrainians to prisons and these concentration camps, but also their own people who even can, could, can tweet, you know, something that uh, is against uh, Russian propaganda, against Russian army, and they can be taken to, to prison. So I think it, it, it is possible that they are using the wide range of Soviet-era uh, facilities, but also knowing that something similar can happen, they can make new facilities. So both ways are possible. It's technical stuff. But the main thing is that, you know, it's their psychology from this Gulag system. It, it didn't change because Putin, he's considering, as you know, that the collapse of uh, the Soviet Union was the, the greatest tragedy uh, in his own life, in the life of, of Russia. Uh, so now he's trying to bring everything possible from Soviet era. He's making new kind of, you know, USSR in Russia, with all awful things that happened there when you you didn't have a right to protest, that uh, you automatically became uh, enemy of state, as they called it. And of course, concentration camps uh, for, for everyone who doesn't uh, agree with the uh, politics of state. to Ukraine 242. I am Anne Levine reporting from WOMR for Pacifica Network. Today we hear Volodymyr Anfimov, radio, television, and print journalist in Ukraine, describe in detail the atrocities in the Olenivka prison, Russia bombed and destroyed, where the last surviving soldiers from the Azov Battalion in Mariupol were taken less than one week ago. Back to my conversation with Volodymyr Anfimov. We also discussed the current state of mental health in Ukraine and the stories of parties and raves taking place in Kyiv. I wanted to shift a little bit to more of what's going on in the Western Ukraine. I'm hearing that they are starting to suffer. And these are people living their everyday lives as much as you can in a state of war like this. But that they're starting to suffer from some mental fatigue, from depression, and all sorts of problems, also physical ones, caused by heading into the sixth month now of this war. What resources do they have to tap into to help themselves? Uh, well, uh, you know, there are some state uh, psychological programs where you can seek psychological help. Uh, and uh, also uh, we have some psychological unions 
uh, where psychologists all over the country, they, they join. And if you need uh, kind of support and help, uh, you can connect with one of these psychologists and, uh, and they can help you. But well, the problem is that most of the psychologists are living in the same country, you know, in Ukraine, where the, the war is going on. So we are all here in the same boat. And every day, you know, there are air raid sirens and every day we have news like this. But, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say that Ukrainians are getting tired of war or that they are, you know, they are depressed. We understand that this is the um, uh, that this is existential war, and you know when someone wants to make you disappear, uh, it's not about depression or it's not about sadness. It's about uh, you know the kind of hatred that makes you makes you act. So, uh, personally, I, I'm talking to a lot of people here in Ukraine, and what I can see is active people, people who are either in the army and they are doing their job, or they are supporting army, or they are soldiers of the informational front, I mean, journalists and people from media who are talking to the world, so everyone is busy, <laughs> you know, everyone is busy doing something to get this victory closer. Because if you just sit and relax, well, it's not an option for us. You know, when Russia wants to kill us, to, to make us disappear, we have no, no option to, to be just sad. So we are, we, we, what I can see is really, you know, this hatred, but it's not hatred because of hatred. It's uh, like hatred transformed into action. This is what I can see. We're hearing reports about parties and raves that uh -huh. are getting popular in Kiev and in Lviv in the West. Some people say this is a natural release of tension for young people. And there are others who say that's not a good look for young Ukrainians to be engaged in activities like this. What's your, mm -hmm. what's your take on it? I would say that if we're talking about some kind of parties or something, it's not a massive thing here. Because the atmosphere is not to celebrate something. But of course, we still have birthdays. We still have some special dates for us. I had a birthday like several days ago. <laughs> of course, it was not a party, but we bought a champagne and, you know, me and my wife, we just, if I can say, celebrated in, <laughs> in this way. But I think it's very important for us, for Ukrainians, to do everything that we do to make the victory closer, but to still be alive, you know, to have an ability to, to have a walk, to maybe even to go to the theater. Because, for example, in Kiev, theaters are working, but when there is an air raid siren, everything uh, stops uh, and then, <laughs> then continues after this break. But speaking about, you know, raves and parties and all this stuff, it's not a massive thing here. 
sometimes we hear about some some kind of illegal party but it's not something that is very common now because a lot of young people they are uh, they are engaged in the same process of helping the army and i don't think that they are very excited about dances and, uh, and all this stuff when people are, are dying uh, like every day we're still trying to live a normal life if it's uh, if i can use this word because it's very easy to get you know mental mental problems if you are focused every time on negative things so of course there is a natural desire to maybe to not to forget about the war but just to to shift the focus for for one hour for half an hour and you know just to 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 have a walk to, to go on a bicycle or to go to the cinema or theater so it's just a natural way to to live with all these negative things that we have well thank you for taking time to speak to me thank you
That was Yevgenia Goncharuk singing with her band Janice. You've been listening to Ukraine 242. For more information and to see photographs of Volodymyr Anfimov and all of our interview subjects, please visit ukraine242.com. I'm Anne Levine, the host and creator of Ukraine 242. Editing by David Klan and Ursula Rudenberg of Pacifica Network. Recording by Michael Levine. If you'd like to send a message of encouragement to the Ukrainian people, please call 510-883-3115 and leave your message, which will be translated into Ukrainian and broadcast throughout Ukraine on Ukraina FM's network of 24 stations. That number is 510-883-3115. Thank you for listening. Thank you to you radio, television, and print journalist in Ukraine, Volodymyr Anfimov, 